and welcome back. This is Academics Podcast. I'm your host, Justin D. Barnett. This course is a really dope conversation between TBWA Shia Day's Arya Devachi and myself. Arya holds a unique position of culture curator at the agency. We talk about everything from his background, the agency's culture, their hiring process, the importance of having hobbies outside of work, and he offers some great advice to people looking to work in the industry. This interview took place at TBWA Shia Day's office here in Los Angeles, California. Enjoy. Uh, so first off, um, I'm here at TBWA Shia Day in Playa Vista. Um, I'm excited today because I, this is an office that I see all the time. I actually live in the neighborhood and I finally got a chance to set foot inside and it's, it's nothing short of, of what I imagine. Um, our guest today is Arya Devachi. He is the cultural curator here. Um, we'll, I'll let him actually explain a little more about what he does. So, um, Arya, thanks for taking the time to sit down with me. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Yeah, um, yeah so let, you're a culture curator. What exactly do you do? Um, so my job is definitely multifaceted, but I think the like most baseline way of putting it is it's my job to make Shia Day a great place to work. Okay. Um, from the first day to your last day, what the experience of actually working here looks like. Um, and sort of the experience of what it means to work at an agency that has such a long history um, in 2019, 2018, since I took this role. Um, so it's really about sort of creating the most um, stimulating, exciting, and generally like positive work experience that I can for our employees. Okay, I mean, what exactly does that entail? Sure. Is, it, is that just like a visual thing? Is it just like an experiential thing? Is it, are you involved in like the hiring process? Are the people who are brought in like, how far extent does that go? Sure, I mean, it definitely is. Um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a part of our, our HR team. Oh, okay. Um, I sit as a part of our HR team. Um, and it do have now, I think, a little bit more of a stake in the ground around hiring, not in the sense of offering opinions, but offering answers to prospective talent. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people now are really interested by um, what a company is doing culturally. and particularly in a field like advertising, it's really important to differentiate ourselves from one another as mm-hmm. agencies. And I think our cultural programming and my role is something that really does differentiate us. So in that respect, I'm generally um, speaking to prospective talent and describing what it's like to work here because that is sort of the question that a lot of people have, mm-hmm. particularly as you move more um, you know, senior in your career, you're more interested in what is it like to actually work there? What is the environment like? What is the community like? And I can speak to that on a different level than um, most other people can in their agencies. Okay. So in that respect, I'm involved. And then um, I think in terms of what it means inside of this building, um, it's a lot of programming, a lot of internal um, cultural programming that's all sort of revolving around creating stimulus and creative energy. Um, and then also giving back charity um, collaborations and partnerships. Um, I lead all of our um, rewards and recognition programs for our employees, mm. um, handle all of our uh, parties and get-togethers, um, handle all of our sort of internal communications in the sense of creating platforms for our uh, leadership to um, communicate with the general populace and creating avenues of communication. Um, and then working with leadership to sort of be, you know, an eye in the sky, if you will, of like looking around and seeing like, what are people talking about? What's going on in the agency? How can I get a better sense of what's going on and sort of report back and create a conduit, be the conduit for leadership to better understand what's going on? Got it, got it. So um, 
I think of all the people that I've interviewed, and I've interviewed a wide range of people so far, um, you definitely have the best title. <laughs> like it sounds the best. So I, I was most excited when I when I um, looked into you uh, to, to figure out what you do. Like I was yeah. very interested. Um, to stay on the topic of, of your position, was that a position that already existed in the agency um, prior to you being here, or was that something that you developed on your own? It was not a role that was at this agency before. Um, it was something that was sort of developed by our CFO and our president. Um, our CFO had sort of always dreamed of having this sort of role, um, and he's fairly new to the agency. He's been here, I think, for almost two years now. Okay. Who's your CEO, um, by the way? Our CFO's name is John Minty. Okay. Um, he was at 180LA before this and then at other agencies before that. Um, and so he had sort of always envisioned this role, and I think he, th- he had created something similar at a previous agency he worked at. And so we... Um, had been in conversation around this. But I think what was interesting to me was when we were talking about it, the conversation was really around how do we treat company culture as a client rather than as a byproduct. And so in having these conversations with leadership, we were able to build the role. Um, I don't think the role is specifically built for me, but now it has become tailored to me because I'm living in it every day. And it's been something that we are still forming. I mean, it's pretty new. It's only been a year and a half. Uh So it's something that we are always trying to improve and I think as the agency grows this role changes and so it's been a learning process as we go okay what was um what was your path so before you got into this position what was your path to where you are now yeah what's your background where'd you come from yeah my background's actually not in advertising interesting Um, yeah (laughs) uh I went to school for theater and was working in experiential and immersive theater in New York okay um and was writing and directing theater there. And then when I came back to LA, um, was writing and directing and then ended up in um, the music industry for a little bit, was working in the music industry, um, working at a small boutique label here in Los Angeles, and then um, was directing and creating work. And then sort of randomly, um, a friend of mine said, you know, you should maybe think about coming to work here. This environment seems really up your alley. and it was for an administrative job, and mm-hmm. I was sort of intrigued by it because I thought advertising was a, was moving more into that experiential place, and I was like, that could be an avenue in for me, um, and I was willing to sort of put in my dues to like make it work, and so I landed here in an administrative role, and that was in 2016. Okay, what was that experience like in that administrative role? Is that the the team EA lead? And yeah, I was to assistant to the president, and then um, was assistant to actually a wide range of our leadership team. Yeah. Um, at, I think I'm at the peak of that role, I was assisting four members of our leadership team and then was sort of helping sort of s- um, the entire EA team become more um, streamlined and working together, um, which was a really interesting um, opportunity because a lot of the folks on our EA team are much senior than I am. They've been here for much longer and are frankly much better at it than I was. Yeah. Um, so I was just trying to create, um, you know, trying to modernize that system and trying to create a way for it to become easier for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was great. I mean, it was it was exciting to get to work as a team and have that team mentality. And it also was a really fantastic opportunity for me to better understand the leadership and to get to work with them day in, day out and understand where their heads were at, what was important to them, what vision they had for the agency. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also gave them the opportunity to get to know me really well. Um, so I was responsible for any sort of um, off-sites and team building things within the leadership team. That allowed us to become very connected and very personable together. Um, and so in doing that, when I moved into this role, they already trusted me and I already knew what they were hoping that I would do. Um, so it felt like a sort of a natural next step yeah. um, to move into that space. Yeah, it's 
it's interesting that um, you came to such like a, I don't want to say prestigious, but such a highly regarded um, company, but you didn't necessarily have a background in advertising. I say it's interesting because when I talk to my, my classmates now or my fellow interns um, at any event we go to and we, we speak and we ask about like, oh, where do you want to work? This is always the top of everyone's mm -hmm. list. So um, I guess my question to you is, does Shiat recruit purposely um, people that don't fit the, the stereotypical um, candidate or employee? Like, do they purposely look for people in other areas to bring something new culturally to the, to the office? Or was that just a one-off? No, absolutely, I think we do. I mean, I know that this year in particular was something that came down from TBWA, which is our network, yeah. was to hire boldly and to find good talent. Yeah. And I think that we as a HR team, our recruiters particularly, are really keen on finding raw young talent and you know senior talent as well. But when it comes to, you know, maybe there's a film writer who's never written an ad before, but is an amazing writer and is interested in what we do we can't be deterred because they've never done advertising before because mm -hmm. um, they can bring something new to the table. And I think what we're really aiming to do is create a seat at the table for anyone who's got something to say, who has a voice and is unique um, in their own way and true to themselves. Um, so it's definitely something that we are really interested in. I think um, it'd be, we'd be losing out on a lot of really great talent if we weren't open to those. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. agree. Yeah, I think that's really cool that, that, that they do that. Um, you mentioned earlier too that your your background is in experiential, and obviously you're an artist or artsy or type, mm -hmm. and um, you seem like a creative a creative mind. I'm wondering if at any point you're you plan to transition into doing like experiential stuff uh, here at the agency or being a part of the creative team, um, or are you not even thinking about that? I mean, I think my role and part of the reason why I was really attracted to it when we were you know building it and talking about it is inherently creative. Yeah. Um, because it is, you know, curating is a creative act, and I also think that it allows me to enter into collaboration with artists, and collaborating is something that I think, for us particularly, is the backbone of the creativity that we do. Um, uh, I don't know if I'd ever enter the creative department of an ad agency. Yeah. Um, I just don't see myself as either a copywriter or an art director. I just don't see that lane for myself. Um, but definitely, I think that the experiential part of my brain is never turned off. And it's something that I've I've worked on certain parts of um, our brands, that, certain brands that we've worked with, and have offered ideas into different spaces, and um, it's always exciting. Um, but I think what I'm doing now is sort of the most interesting thing for me personally to, do, to be doing now in these agencies, okay. and to be doing here particularly has been really nice because I get to like have the inspiration of the creative uh, department and mm -hmm. work with them and you know, find collaborators in that department and be like, oh, y your sense of creativity and my sense of creativity can collaborate really nicely together yeah. um, without me having to suddenly become an art director or a copywriter. Yeah. Mm. So as much as you can tell me about this, how, how rigorous is the hiring process here for, let's say, an entry-level person or an intern? I mean, I can, I can speak to, well, the internship process is different. Um, I think our internship process is is slightly rigorous because it's democratic, um, or at least it was this year. Um, this is the first year we've done a full-fledged intern program in a long time. We've had a creative internship program called the Young Bloods that we've revived as um, I think last year was the first year we brought it back. Um, but it is slightly rigorous in the sense that we vote on it as an agency, 
and everyone, we hide names, we hide nationalities, we hide things in order to create an even playing field, and then we like put them all on a table in Lee Cloud's office, and everybody comes and votes for um, the interns they think are best suited to what we are looking for. Mm -hmm. um, so in the respect, it's not so much rigorous as much as it is really honest yeah. about what we think um, we can offer for certain candidates. Um, in terms of the hiring process, yes, I do think it's definitely rigorous. I think that we are very keen on finding the right people. And when you hire the wrong people, you're not only wasting that candidate's time, you're wasting, we're wasting our own time and our own resources. And so we're very um, hands-on about making sure we're hiring the right folks. Okay. What about like an entry-level position? I think yes and no. I think it depends. I mean, it's definitely rigorous in the sense that, like you said, everybody wants to work here, so there's com competition. Yeah. Um, but I also think that we, you know, we want to make sure that you're a right cultural fit. You know, I think that particularly in a really junior role, that's important to us. That's something that we can really sort of test the waters on. It's like, yeah. do you feel like you could fit into our community? And that's for both our sake and the candidate's sake. Because I think when you're really young, you're really hungry, and you'll take whatever anyone will offer you. And obviously, at a role of Shia Day, is something very um, prestigious for people, and we don't want to hire someone and then, you know, they're not the right fit, and they blame themselves, and then it becomes sort of a hate game, and it's like, that's not what we want for people. So yeah. we are sort of determined to make sure that we hire the right people, and we're willing to sort of make it seem rigorous, if you will, yeah. to make that happen. Makes sense. Makes sense. So, okay, in terms of you, what's your average day like here at work? That's interesting. I was thinking about this because I was like, he's probably going to ask me about what my average day is. And yeah. I, what I love about my job is there isn't really an average day. Yeah. Um, my job changes day to day depending on what's happening or what we're working on or if there's an event happening, if there's someone coming in. Um, but I mean, there are certain things that just never change, which is I spend a lot of my time walking around and talking to people. That's a big part of my role is sort of checking in, um, getting a pulse of the agency. Another part of my role is like sort of making sure that the building is up to standard and like that everything like looks great. Mm -hmm. I think that like a messy work environment like doesn't breed success. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of that and my coordinator and I work together to make sure that um, you know we, the office reflects the level of integrity that we would um, uh, hope to be at. Um, but I think other than that, it really is different every day. There are certain things that you know happen at, on a really regular basis, like having to prepare for an event or to prepare for um, having a guest come in, whether that be doing research or then, you know, proposing questions, going to meetings with the artists, with the people who are coming in, setting up the day of, spreading the word, getting energy around certain things. Um, but really, day to day is really different. And I think that that's something that for me is really important. Mm -hmm. I might go back to where I couldn't just sit and like write scripts every day. Yeah. Um, I like the idea that every day is different and that my calendar never looks the same. Mm -hmm. um, it's just really exciting to me to be able to be like, Tomorrow's going to be a totally different experience than, than today. Yeah, yeah. And Wednesday will be a different experience. You know, and I think that that, that that gets me excited. Do you work like a core team? Um, is there a culture team or um, do you work with different departments or? Certain things are certain are with certain teams. Okay. Um, there is not a culture department. Um, I'm a part of HR. I have a coordinator who I work with very closely who is both um, office coordinator and culture coordinator. So she's half sort of ops and then mm -hmm. half culture with me. Um, I work very closely with HR. Okay. Um, there are members of our HR team who I collaborate with, particularly when it comes to rewards and recognition and community building and things like that. Um, but it, is been, it has been very exciting to be able to find people in the agency who are really excited about culture and to be able to pull them out of their day-to-day -day work 
and be able to be like, hey, do you want to help me with this? Yeah. And that, I think, not only is exciting to me, but for them, that's the thing that they look forward to because it's something they didn't expect. Mm. When they signed up to be in the data department, for example, like they thought they were going to be doing that all day, yeah. every day. Mm -hmm. And when I get to offer them, you know, four hours a week of being like, hey, do you want to come work with me on, you know, this monthly thing we're going to be doing with, um, you know, a specific department or with an artist, like, do you want to come help me with this sort of, this sort of thing? And that, it, I love that. Yeah. And it gets to pull people out of their comfort zone and I get to sort of see people in different ways mm. and offer them new experiences and that sort of what I hope to achieve here consistently mm. is to offer new experiences for people. You just mentioned um, different events that you throw. Yeah. So um, what type of um, weekly events do you guys hear or monthly events do you guys um, hold here like for staff, for, like happy hours or anything? Sure. Like, what's the, the culture here? In yeah, we actually sense? like don't hold happy hours very often. Mm. I think when I came into this role, that was the expectation was going to be a lot of um, communal events based around alcohol. And that was something I really wanted to move against because mm. I think that sort of the convention of advertising culture is that it's around drinking mm -hmm. and partying and our history is actually more um, sort of built on the foundation of art and creative stimulus. So we have a monthly series called Intermission where I bring in artists and uh, folks who are creating spaces for artists to thrive. Um, and we bring in artists from all different mediums ranging from music to film, comedy, fine art, um, technology, um, and we bring in artists in that respect monthly. Um, we have a bunch of different um, all agency style events that are built around transparency, mm -hmm. something that I was really keen, I was like really, really, really passionate about when I first got into this role and still am, is creating as much transparency between leadership and the everyday employee as possible. Um, it was something that I was sort of really struck with when I came into this industry was how non-transparent it was and how um, the everyday employee wasn't aware of the clients we were pitching or finance updates or just general things that were keeping leadership up at night. Mm. Um, and so I instilled, alongside certain members of leadership who are also really interested in this, was how can we instill a program that allows for transparency? Um, so we have a bi-weekly meeting that's very casual um, on Tuesday mornings. Um, and we come together and a member of leadership leads a meeting where they talk about what we're pitching, what's going on, new hires, um, what's keeping them up, what's going on in the industry we should know about. Um, that's something that I think is really does differentiate us from other agencies. And then we have like high profile speaker series, we have concerts, we have art shows, those sorts of things um, that just sort of filter in and out depending on what's going on and depending on what we're celebrating or who's in town. Um, but there's a lot of programming. We also have a learning initiative hmm. um, where we offer all of our employees the ability to learn new skills. Um, we launched that last year. Um, when I got into this role and it started um, with sort of like hard skills like it was like Photoshop keynote things you like put on your resume yeah, yeah. Um, and now it's more like soft skills like high-level skills like how do you collaborate well like what are like presentation skills persuasive argument um, social media um, integration into live briefs um, things like that um, so we do a lot of programming in that respect as well about learning because if I can't offer these people the opportunity to learn then um, I feel like I'm letting them down. I feel yeah. like the opportunity to get to learn in your workplace is essential and something that every agency should be doing and every company really should be doing. Um, and so we're really grateful to be doing that. So it really, that's what I'm saying, it's really different. Like yeah, every day is, is totally is. a different story, you know? It is. It depends on like what day is it today. It could be completely different than tomorrow. Yeah. Um, yeah, you definitely have a, a very unique position. So what, what would you say is the, do you enjoy the most about your job? 
I think there is something really particularly rewarding about when we get to celebrate individuals for their work. Mm. Um, and we don't do that publicly. We do it very privately. Um, like to give an example, we have a, um, I'm sharing, I guess this is now becoming public. Um, <laughs> but we have, a, we have every month we um, sort of thank certain employees that we believe are going above and, above and beyond their, um, the task of their job. Mm. Um, and so I email the entire leadership team and I ask them who's going above and beyond this, this month, who do we feel like is really standing out. And we thank them by giving them a gift that is personalized. It's never like just cash or anything like that. Um, and there was, one, there was one time when one of our employees was nominated and selected. And I knew her, for, I know her fairly well. Um, we've worked together since the first day I got here. And um, I knew her roommate. And so I asked her roommate, I was like, what should we get her? And they, she told me what she wanted. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. We'll do that for sure. And you know, two weeks later, it had arrived. And she was having lunch in our large communal open space. And I just wheeled it up to her on like a dolly. And she looked at me. She was like, what, what is that? And I was like, I just like, heard that you wanted this. And we thought that you were killing it. So we just bought this for you. And like, <laughs> oh, she just like, had tears like, form in her eyes. And I was like, I love my job. That like, I can bring so much joy to someone like, so unexpectedly. Yeah. Um, that to me, there's nothing like that feeling. Mm. You know, like I could sit on stage and be interviewing, you know, an icon or whoever it is, but like that's such a different feeling than when you get to see someone become really like impacted by something you're doing and like it feels so genuine and mm. honest that it's just like, oh, I love that. Yeah. That's like, if I could do that for every employee, I absolutely would. Okay. Every day. Yeah. Uh, let's reverse that. What's, sure. what's the most difficult part of your day to day? Um, there are so many people who work here. <laughs> I think, you know, it's twofold, right? It's, it's having to create a culture. I'm, I'm realizing we're on a podcast, so I'm putting air, air quotes around culture. <laughs> I've created a culture for 250, 300 people mm -hmm. that s attempts to speak to that sort of large scale is really challenging. And then the other half of it is um, the expectation that's been set by my first year in this role. I think the first year, you know, it wasn't, perfect and I definitely had mistakes but you know I came out of the gates you know guns blazing and like really did it did it big and I think then when we got into the second year of this role they were like great you're gonna do it bigger and better this year right I was like mm, <laughs> yeah about that absolutely like for sure um, that is a challenge yeah. and it's a challenge set by myself um, so I think that that sort of you know we are halfway through 2019 now and that's the thing that I'm like how am I consistently one-upping myself Mm -hmm. And sort of, you know, becoming better in this role is becoming. That's been a, not a challenge, but sort of the obstacle is is myself, yeah. which is kind of, you know, better it, better that it's me than someone else. <laughs> so it's like, like thankfully the obstacle is myself. Um, how many people are do work in this building? In this building, yeah. um, there are around, I want to say, seven hundred employees in the building. Mm -hmm. um, we share the building with um, a handful of other agencies. Um, and we are the second largest tenant in this building as of today. Mm -hmm. um, it very well could change if we win a pitch or if, or if another agency loses a pitch. Uh, but we're all part of Omnicom. We all work together. Um, it's not really any sort of like agency versus agency mentality. Um, but there are, there are I would want to say like 700 people here. And then there are um, approximately like th probably 400 people across the parking lot at our sister agency. So around 1,100 people in total on campus. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It's a little city here. Yeah. You know, it's a small <laughs> town. Definitely. Um, 
what what uh, have you picked up any activities like outside of the office that you do to keep up with culture or with uh, advertising or what the competition like are you do you subscribe to any publications or anything like that um, I don't subscribe to anything formally um, I am a big um, culture consumer mm-hmm. um, I am very interested in what's happening in LA particularly so I'm really invested into things like Curate LA and Seesaw, which are two apps that offer what's happening in the art world specifically. Um, I am very connected to my friends and other colleagues who work in the music industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like I've, I have a lot of apps that I use to like stay in tune with what's happening in culture that like isn't Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, that's sort of been my way of like finding ways in. But I think I have to consistently push myself to find the things that I didn't know existed before and to find pathways into spaces that I had never visited before and sort of keep myself abreast of everything that's happening in LA and also, you know, to always think about if, you know, we hire someone who moves to LA from like a small town in the middle of the country, what are like the 10 things that I want them to know? Um, And so I'm always trying to like wrap my brain around what that list is Mm -hmm. Um, because that's always exciting to me. It's like, what are the 10 things right now that really are exciting about being here? and culturally are important. Yeah. Um, so I think about that a lot. How important do you think it is for employees um, in other departments to, to be aware of um, culture around them? I mean, it's, I think it's imperative. Yeah. I think in order to create work that resonates with the mass populace, yeah. um, it's important for every one of us to be tuned in into culture. Um, and I do my part in sharing that information. We I have a monthly newsletter um, that gets sent out internally that um, features every thinkable sort of portion of culture and then that gets turned into an Instagram post um, that's sort of like top line of like seven things for each month that I think are exciting. Um, but I, I try to offer as much information to our populace as possible in order to be like, you have no excuse. Yeah. Like here's all the information you can need and if you need more, come find me, I have more for you. Um, but I think it's imperative. I think if you're working in advertising and you're not tuned into culture, your work's not gonna resonate. I, I agree, I definitely agree. Um, on the way up, we passed by Lee Clow's office. Yeah. So I have to ask about Lee Clow. Yes. It wouldn't be a proper interview without it. Um, not. I know he's retired, they say. Yeah. Um, does he still, he lives in Venice, though, I believe, or somewhere around he the area. He lives in Palos Verdes. It's not oh, far oh, from here, okay. but. So yeah. um, have you had any interactions with him over your, your time? Oh, yeah. Here? Yeah? Oh, yeah. We celebrated our 50th anniversary last year, and I spent a lot of time with Lee Clow. Is that when they did the? Because uh, I listened to like a podcast that was. Um, mm-hmm. Don't I, I'm not going to say this again or yeah, something. I'm only going to say this. I'm once. only going to say this once. Yeah. yeah. Classic, classic. Yes, I worked with Lee. I had the honestly the true pleasure of working with Lee yeah. for a lot of last year. Um, I to be to be completely honest, I was horrified when I found out I was going to work with him uh-huh. um, because I don't know. I didn't at the time particularly. This was a year and a half ago, so I was fresh in this role, um, and I didn't know enough about advertising and I didn't know enough about sort of like what the expectations were from Lee. And so going into it, I was like, oh my God, he's gonna eat me alive. Um, and then I found out that he's actually like the sweetest teddy bear on the planet. Really? Um, yeah, I mean, he was to me, maybe he just liked me. Um, I really can't say enough how um, how inspiring it was to get to work with him. We worked really closely on how we as an agency celebrated our 50th anniversary and how we as an agency wanted to look towards the f- next 50 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to celebrate with him um, by you know, sort of building up the platform for him on the day of the anniversary f- for us to do a large 
internal um, announcement and showcasing his sort of legacy. Because really, Shia Day's 50th anniversary was a moment for us to be like, Lee Cloud's legacy is, in, is massive. Yeah. Um, and like, it's like imperative to this entire industry. So that was sort of what um, it became about. And it was something we really um, felt lucky to celebrate. And I got to, myself and one of my colleagues working at Media Arts Lab got to create um, and plan um, the end of the anniversary, we celebrated Jay Shiat's birthday, mm. and we threw a huge party on Jay Shiat's birthday, which was last October. Um, and it sort of served as a big send off to the anniversary and to Lee. Um, and at that party, you know, Lee was giving his big toast and talking about you know all these stories, and everybody was like crying or laughing. <laughs> and he went to go like raise his glass. He's like, "Where is Aria with my champagne?" And I was like standing literally like right to the side, and was like, "I'm here with this." And he like looked at me, and he just like, "Thank you." And I was like, "Thank you, dude. Like this is like this is awesome. I'm just glad to like be able to do this with you. Yeah. You know, to be. I think particularly at that time, I still saw myself as an outsider in the industry because I had never grown up with aspirations of working in advertising. Mm-hmm. I still can't believe I work in advertising. Um, and to be able to go from never thinking that I work here to within two and a half years getting to stand next to Lee Clow and for him to thank me was like sort of mind blowing. Um, and so it was the most humbling and awesome experience and I'm so glad I got to work with him. And I like, I like kind of like wish he came around more often. Um, he says he like you know he like he sends me emails and it's like I'm gonna come in one day and you're not gonna be ready and I'm like <laughs> I'll be ready like what do you got let's do it um, and you know we we do all of our new hire orientations and stuff in his office and you know I love hearing other people being like is Lee around like is Lee gonna come around I'm like hey well one day and you will not be ready I'll be ready but none of you will be ready does he just pop up or he does he does, he does. cool yeah he, he just rolls up and the whole off the whole building stops you know what I mean mm. like everyone just like stops moving and. You just can feel everyone just like, oh my God, it's Lee. And I'm so grateful that I get to just walk up to him and be like, what's up, man? Like, how are you? And he's like, hi. <laughs> just like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the agency, like like we mentioned earlier, you guys have such a storied legacy with um, not only just from the culture of the, the office to um, the accounts that you work on, mm-hmm. the, the the art that you've produced. Um, what are What's the current roster of, of companies? Sure. We are currently working on a wide slew of clients. I actually have to say that in my time being here, I think this is the most diverse group of clients, and I'm probably not going to have to remember all of them off the top of my head. Um, but we work on Gatorade. We work on um, the McCafe business mm-hmm. as a part of McDonald's. Um, we work on the Recording Academy every year, which is the Grammys. Um, we work on AT&T through a really interesting relationship with Integer. Um, which is another uh, TBWA agency. We work on Principal Financial Group, which is one of our long-standing clients. Um, we work on Supercuts. We just put out some new work for Supercuts. Um, we work on Blue Diamond Almonds. Um, we work on IMAX, Uniqlo, Intuit QuickBooks, mm-hmm. and Robinhood, which is an investment app. And there are a handful of other clients that I can't say at this time. We also work with a handful of nonprofit um, and low loan clients through our consulting arm, which is called which is called Mouth for Good. Mm. Um, it's a um, they work with clients like NPR and Project Red and Esri and XQ and Conservation International. So they are under our purview. So they're on our uh, list of clients. Um, but we're pitching a bunch of stuff right now. It's really exciting. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, we've got clothing, we've got snacks, we've got Gatorade, we've got breakfast foods. 
that's a that's a, a hefty roster. Like I, I mean, I kind of I'm an ad nerd, so like I, I keep up with who's with who, and I just found out some new stuff. I didn't know you guys had Uniqlo. That's, so I go to a lot of panel events. Um, I listen to a lot of students ask questions um, to to industry people. And like for example, I was at Sachi and Sachi not too long ago, and um, one of the the best questions asked was, "How do companies who are a part of such large um, companies like have so many offices in so many different places?" How do they work together, or do they work together? Sure, I can only speak in to, any way. Yeah, I can only speak to TBWA um, because I don't think any other network really operates the way TBWA does. Yes. In that other networks, in my understanding, and I could very well be wrong, is that other networks open offices, whereas TBWA um, goes and acquires already existing agencies, like they did with Shia in the late '90s. Okay. They'll find an agency that is already existing on its own has a legacy has its own slew of clients and will then bring them into the network. Mm. And so the way that our particular um, network works is very collaborative in the sense that we all have our own brands that we're working on and they're obviously brands that are spread across the network, but then we are able to send some of our creatives or some of our strategy folks or account people to another country and be like, go work on this brief that's happening in Stockholm because they need help mm. and they think that we are really right for it because X, Y, and um, or they'll send people here. Um, we also have a few um, annual conferences where we send creatives from all around the network to meet to work on open briefs from a bunch of different clients. Okay. Um, we also have you know, a bunch of training and development works that way as well. Um, so it is really collaborative. And what I think is really exciting about it, as someone who travels a lot, um, anywhere I go in the world, there's a TBWA. And so anywhere I'm going, I know at least there's going to be one person who I can <laughs> um, and I think that that's you know something that it's not work related, but it's important. You know, this idea that you're part of something, you know, bigger, that then proves itself to be human is so nice. Because otherwise, sometimes it does feel like a cog in a machine a little mm -hmm. bit. But TBWA has consistently proved me wrong. You know, I've been now to three different offices across the globe, and they've just been so so nice and yeah. just so friendly. Um, in terms of like the executive structure, like, mm -hmm. does each office have their own? executive staff or is there like a North American CEO of TBWA? There is a global CEO of TBWA. There is a, that's, so it's global. Most it's of global. it's global. Okay. Yeah, and then each of our different agencies has their own leadership. Okay. Um, obviously, our global president um, and CEO, Troy Ruhannon, um, works very closely with each of the agencies. Troy's also, I think, has been integral into bringing TBWA into a new era um, and has really shape-shifted what this network was about and what it is standing for. Um, but they, there's a group of them that sit, that sit in New York mostly, um, and they oversee the network, and then we'll travel around the world to sort of like check in and make sure everything's going okay. Okay. Um, okay, let's, uh, let's transition a little bit back to like um, internships, entry-level sure. positions. In your experience working here, I'm sure you've seen so many employees come in and out. Um, what are the qualities that usually um, you see in people who stick around? I think determination is obvious as an answer, but I think the sort of determination to learn and to prove oneself while staying humble is really, really impressive. Mm. I think there is a balance that you have to find between I want to succeed and I want to be the best, but also really recognizing that there is going to be someone who's going to always have something to offer you and to teach you. Um, I, I have a few folks that really come to mind that really walk that line so beautifully. Um, 
And then I think the other big thing is the truer you are to yourself, the more successful you will be. Mm. I think the more you try to bend to the will of what you think the agency wants from you, the harder it will be to succeed. Um, for myself in that respect, in that I didn't want to bend to the will of what I thought the agency wanted, and I sort of wrote that the more you really are honest with yourself about what you're turned on by and what's going to you know, get you out of bed every day and make you want to be here till you know, ungodly hours, um, that's your strength. I think yeah. finding those things makes it um, impossible for people to not recognize your, you know, addition to the agency. Okay, got it. Um, one of my favorite questions that I like to ask, because mm -hmm. um, I always get like the best answers, especially especially with um, the people that I've interviewed, I've tried to focus on um, having a very diverse um, guest. Um, family always comes into the, the mm -hmm. picture. so. Even with even with myself, um, how do you explain to your parents what you do, mm. and do they understand it? Well, when I first started working here, it was really easy to explain to them what I was doing at an advertising agency. I was yeah. assistant to the president of a huge global agency, uh -huh. um, and thankfully with Shyat, they were like, "Okay, so what does your agency do?" I was like, "The Energizer Bunny, Talk About Chihuahua, Jack <laughs> in the Box, Every Apple Ad until 2005." Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was just like, oh, it was like this huge slew of um, you know undeniable work that is like canon now um, now I think having to describe my work to family and you know my, I'm also first generation American so there's a little bit of a difference in like how my family like understands what I do mm -hmm. I have to like sort of explain it to them and like really like really explain it to them <laughs> um, but it's been interesting my role I also think is so unique that people are like you get to do what like, I've, like any time, like not just my family, anyone, I'm like, I do this. They're like, what? Where are you working? Um, so that's always been fun. But I am very lucky. My, I, I don't come from a background where advertising is considered fringe or unrespectable. I mean, the moment I said I worked at an advertising agency, everybody was like, that's awesome. Yeah. Like, that's really cool. Mm. Um, and I think we're moving more and more towards that space. And actually, we partner with a lot of high schools. And I go to high schools and we bring high school students here. Um, to show them that it's a really, um, it's a real pathway. It's a real job that is yeah. pays well and like is respectable. Yeah. Um, what have you found that you you've done in your career prior to coming here? How have the things that you did prior um, helped you in your role now? For example, theater. How yeah. is yeah, I mean, I think the goal of all of my work, whether it be theater or the stuff I'm doing in music or the parties I'm throwing now that are just fun outside of Shiat, the goal has always been to build space for community and to build space for conversation to exist, whether that be because I'm creating a play around the homeless population in LA mm -hmm. or around an artist that I just think is really cool here and we bring in, into Shiat. That sort of mentality of like, I just want to create a space where people can freely speak their mind and freely have conversations um, has just been integral to everything I've done. Mm -hmm. And so being able to come into this role and be able to bring that sense of community building as a like true backbone to the work has been sort of helped me be like, oh, this is what I'm doing, right? This is why this, is why this job is right for me. This is mm -hmm. why I'm right for it. Um, you think like the art aspect of like music and, and screenwriting or screenplays that you do um, creatively help you come up with ideas for the office? So, like, did it train your mind to think outside the box? Totally. Yeah. I think the theater element absolutely did. Yeah. I think the idea of 
I mean, for those of you who haven't been to our office, I mean, now you've been here. I mean, this is this is a this is a crazy place. I mean, it's it's adult Disneyland, and so it's an amazing canvas to get to play on mm-hmm. and to get to figure out you know fun ways to turn it upside down. Yeah, um, and that is inherently theatrical. Our office has stacked shipping containers. I mean, it looks like a play every day. I like if you stand on one side of it, you look at the side. It looks like theater. It does. And so it's like a movie set. Yeah, totally. So and so it's been cool to be able to really think about this space as a stage because that's what it is and getting to bring new life to it in that way yeah uh, so what's what's next for you what, what do you where do you see yourself going in the future I don't know that's kind of what's also kind of crazy about this job is that it's sort of unprecedented in North America there are other agencies um, and other companies that have roles like this but other than that it's not something that really has like a you know clear next step but what I've kind of really learned in life is that it's kind of nice to not know what the next step is yeah. so that when it happens, you're like, oh, duh, that's the next thing. That sounds like a great answer to my next question. Mm-hmm. So um, if you can go back and give your, your younger college self, your 21-year-old self some advice, um, knowing what you know now, what would you tell yourself? Yeah, I mean, totally. Don't. Don't get too hung up on what you think is going to happen, because the right thing will happen, mm-hmm. and you will be better off if you just ride the wave of it. Um, but one thing that I have learned outside of work that I just like life advice for anyone is just to be nice to other people and to say hello to other people. I think that we, as a culture, have moved away from saying actually saying hello to people. Like we lock eyes with people and like don't say hi, and there's like a little bit of like a smile and maybe a nod. Like, I think that we need to go back to like saying hello. Because mm-hmm. I do think that part of what makes me really good at my job and what allowed me to, at one point, raise my hand and say, I'm unhappy, is that I, up until that point, was open and saying hi to people and was opening myself to everyone. And there is such a strength in people knowing who you are and feeling like they can talk to you mm-hmm. that you have to open the door for. And so if I could look back, I wish I'd started doing it earlier. Particularly when I lived in New York, I feel like in New York I was walking around and like not saying hi to people. Um, so I would say definitely, you know, every person has a story. Try to find it and say hello to each person as you meet them. Okay, that's good. That's actually great. <laughs> um, it's a li- it's a little it's a little romantic, but no, it I is. But I mean, I think it's worth it. It's a it's a it's a classic answer for a reason. Like uh, that will always apply. Yeah. You know? um, you did mention you've been to like three offices. You said, yeah, three different ones. Um, how does this one differ from the other ones? This is the this is the LA office. Yeah, like this is definitely the LA space. I think that's what's really cool about TVWA TV. We have a shy day in New York, mm-hmm. um, and that is the New York shy day. Yeah, and you can really tell when you walk in. It's you know how so how like how does it differ? Um, like our office, for example, like is pretty laid back. Like people are, you know, dressed really casually, and like you know, there's surfboards everywhere, and like we drink beer, and like there are tacos somehow always available, <laughs> um, and we just like hang out. And there's a sort of like laid back mentality. Whereas in New York, you know, people aren't dressed in full suits, but it's a little nicer, yeah. a lot more black, like black clothing, a lot of like you know, nicer sort of like refined. Madison Avenue vibes, yeah. um, which is great, and I is respect it. It's it. on Madison Avenue. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, it's nice. you know what I mean. Like, yeah. it's so that. Yeah. And when I went to Hong Kong, it was the same thing. It was very, you know, crossing the cultural spaces of of Far East Asia and and England. Like that's what Hong Kong was, and mm-hmm. I loved this sort of like bridging of worlds. But it's nice because it always feels authentic to where it is. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, this place is so 
so LA. Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of people who come from New York and like, Jesus, this place is absurd. And I'm like, yeah, we have cars inside of our office because it's LA. Yeah. Like there is a motorcycle just sitting there for no reason because yeah. it's pretty and we like it. <laughs> yeah, it's super LA. It's yeah. funny, I heard a story of Lee Cloud telling a story of him going to New York or some other office and like how much he just didn't fit in. Right. And I, could Im- I couldn't imagine him being like somewhere else. Like, <laughs> Yeah, there's a photo of Lee, you can probably find it online, if he's wearing a suit mm-hmm. and he's holding a surfboard <laughs> and he's got flip-flops on. <laughs> and I got to me, he's like, that's it. That's yeah. like Lee going to New York. Exactly. He's like, I brought my surfboard and my sandals. Like, I'm here. <laughs> you wanted me to come to this board meeting? Yeah. All right, I think that wraps it up. I have just, just one more question. What's sure. the best way listeners can get in touch with you if the, for any advice or questions? Um, as a millennial, I have to say Instagram is probably the best way to get into contact with me okay. um, because email is... It just like it doesn't feel personal, and I feel like I gotta write you formally, and I don't want to do that. Um, so find me on Instagram. Um, I'm sure there'll be a link somewhere. But find me, and, and I'm always down to say hi. If you're in LA, you want to come by, just let me know. Okay. Um, more than happy to bring people in and show people around. All right. Thank you, Arya. Thank Appreciate you. Man. It. Yeah, of course. This was nice. Yeah, it's awesome. All right. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning into this episode. If you want to keep up with us outside of these podcasts, make sure you follow us on Instagram. That's at Academics, A-D-C-A-D-E-M-I-C-S. And you can follow me personally. My handle on all social platforms is at Justin D. Barnett. You can also email academicspodcast at gmail.com for any and all inquiries. Thank you. Class dismissed.